Hello, and welcome back to the Fancy Fantasy Football Podcast that is not really about fantasy football. Welcome to the sadly third instead of fourth and final installment of Holiday Movie Discussions 2021. I am here with a special guest who has not been on the show in a very long time, Jennifer Murphy. Hello, Jen. Hey, Pat. How's it going? You know, a little sleepy. It's late at night. We've decided to start this endeavor. 9.30, nearly bedtime. I'm sorry. We have children and they really affect our recording schedule. It's more on us. They go to bed at 7.30. Uh, when was the last time I was on this show? I don't know. I think almost certainly the Pre-COVID, last... Pre-COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, there was like... There have been like before these this spat of episodes, there were like one or two episodes during COVID. So yes, definitely pre-COVID. It's a long time. Yeah. And it's certainly the last time you're on, you vowed to never be on because you do that every time you're on. I'm feeling it now. <laughs> anyway. is, this, is this how you're letting Megan know that you're not recording with her? I mean, I just, there's not time to do it before Christmas, sadly. Anyway, um, so you you were interested. You, you was your idea to talk about people's holiday movie favorites. Christmas movies are so fun. And so you agreed to be on and you decided that it would be best if we each chose one. So what two movies are we discussing here? The Family Stone and Scrooged. And so you chose The Family Stone. I did. What are your feelings about The Family Stone? Why did you choose it? Why is it an important holiday movie to you? I can't explain it. Um, the first time I saw it, I thought it was terrible. I like wanted to walk out of the theater. I, I kept talking on the way home with my sister about how bad it was. I think I made her mad because she enjoyed it. Um, I just thought it was the worst. And then somehow I've watched it like maybe every year, probably every year. Recurring theme for this podcast, you watch Family Stone every year, Abby watches The Holiday every year, and John Rhodes watches Jingle All the Way every year. When Jingle pe- All the Way. People have feelings about their choices for holiday movies. Yeah, but see, the thing is, I'm not here like really to defend it. Like I, In re-watching it, much like we kind of talked about this with Hocus Pocus, it's always kind of a background movie for me. Like I put it on while I'm wrapping presents or while I'm doing something else. And I don't like sit and watch it because much of the plot is in fact terrible. Yeah. So let's get into it. I also had problems with this movie. Um, I was upset at the end of the movie to realize I had not merely caught clips of this movie because I live with you and you watch it every year, but I had 100% seen the entire thing start to finish in one sitting before now. And I was kind of upset that I was yeah. watching it a second time. He had a real bad attitude. He told me he hadn't seen it. And then No, I did not say that. I think you did. I mean I wouldn't have we wouldn't have watched it if you'd thought you'd seen it. No, I, I'm this did not happen. Okay, so you knew you had already seen I it all the I way through? Probably had. And then when we watched it, you complained about it the whole time. Did not complain the whole time. I com- I complained at the end because I was pretty upset about it. Listeners, he had a real bad attitude. But you, you're here to not defend the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Touche. Um, what I will say as far as the watching, I just think it's like, it. it's just very packed in with the holiday vibes. Like they are like going for as much 
Christmas as they can. They're always playing like Christmas music in the background. There's always like a shot of a Christmas tree or snow or whatever. So it's just very vibey. And I think that that's nice. And I think I like some aspects of the like family dynamic and it pleases me for that reason. And now that I know that the plot is bad because I've already watched it, I'm not like surprised by that every time. I just kind of ignore it. So for the few people maybe, like I, like probably John Rhodes will listen to this and probably John Rhodes has not watched this movie. Obviously, again, there's like the maximum universe of people listening to this episode is approximately 10. Abby will listen. Abby's probably seen it though. Yeah. So my point is... Oh, I see. For the one to three listeners who are listening to this who have not seen The Family Stone, broad strokes, what's it about? Oh, geez. Um, it is about... Everett, the oldest child. Wow, going going by character first name. He's deep in it, folks. He's, he's bringing his girlfriend, SJP, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, can't remember her name in the movie, home, Meredith, Meredith, home to meet his parents and to ask his mom for his grandmother's ring so he can propose. Just the parents or more people that she's meeting? She's meeting his whole family, right? So How many siblings are involved, Jen? Uh, well, we got we got Luke Wilson. We got the deaf gay brother Patrick. No, Act- that Patrick is the husband. Tad. Tad. Can't remember. I don't know who. I don't know who the actor is that plays Tad. Um, Actually, a deaf person. I learned. Oh well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got uh, Rachel McAdams as the baby sister, and I'm missing the kind of pregnant pregnant older sister. So there's. Four siblings plus ever. So there's a family of five, five kids, family of seven, obviously. I know how to do math. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's bringing his uh, girlfriend home to meet them, and she's nervous about it and awkward and hijinks ensue because they don't like her. And do you want me to, like, are we, spo- are we spoiling? Good. Oh, yeah, we're spoiling. So she's an uptight New York businesswoman. Yeah. They are a liberal, warm, loving New England family. Yeah. Um, like loving, but like low key dysfunctional. Diane Keaton and uh, Craig T. Nelson playing mom and dad. Loaded cast, much like The Holiday, but more so. I I would yeah I would argue acting quality higher. Well, it's Cameron Diaz is just dragging The Holiday down like a just a dead weight, just, like a stone. Yeah, just pulling <laughs> pulling him down because because uh, the dad and the mom, Diane Keaton and. Whoever you just said. Craig T. Nelson. Craig Coach. Coach. From the show Coach. They're both really good. Rachel McAdams is great. I like... Luke Wilson. Uh, yeah, he's fine. Um, Claire Danes. Claire Danes has the sister. Right. Haven't as, brought her up yet. No. Anyway, now that we're just IMDBing this for you, where were you going with the family thing? Oh, just... Um, the ca- or just the cast. Yeah, the cast was loaded. And, and yeah, I agree. There's no, there's no weakness amongst the actors or the performances. Mm-mm. I think that's part of why it's enjoyable to watch is like even though the overall movie is ridiculous I think I think a lot of movies a lot of Christmas movies are like scene by scene kind of excruciating because they're like badly acted or weird or whatever and this is like the plot is ridiculous but like all the interactions are pretty much fine I find so yeah so here's the main critique and we agree on this as far as I understand based on our discussion. You like this movie because you have 
an insanely inflated high value of sibling relationships. We don't agree on this at all. I, yes, we do. I'm. I, that's just pre background for the overall analysis. <laughs> okay. You you put an extreme premium on cozy sibling relationships in real life and in media. I have good siblings. And the family dynamic in this movie is fun. They're they're all fun people. The the siblings that is not Sarah Jessica Parker. She's not a fun person. Um, they're fun people. They're generally kind hearted if judgmental. Oh, super judgmental. Um, and they they get into hijinks, but they seem like a loving family, a loving unit. But so that part is good, and I agree that that part's good. Like the family is good. But the actual plot of the movie is that Everett plans to propose to Sarah Jessica Parker, his very serious long-term girlfriend, the next day on Christmas Day. And that's why he wants to have this family stone, so to speak. Um, But she has a mental breakdown because the family hates her because she's so uptight and does not fit in with them. So she invites her sister, Claire Danes, to come for moral support and like instantaneously he falls in love with Claire Danes and wants to drop Sarah Jessica Parker immediately they're like he's like inappropriately like touching her hand and inviting her to coffee and having long talks about like his dreams his his dreams and goals in life and how he like she you know she does good public service work and grants for the arts and he wants to see this totem pole in alaska blah 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 so he's instantly just inappropriate with the sister and luke wilson instantly he's the most laid back of this very laid back family and he's instantly just shamelessly hitting on sarah jessica parker also just grabbing her shoulders touching her hand being the cool dreaming about her telling her about his dreams telling about her. her that he's dreaming about her and so when she is so upset that she has to leave, he goes with her and they get drunk and sleep in his bed, but he doesn't sleep in the bed apparently. Um, so both the the entire plot is that two siblings are swapping love interests essentially with other siblings. And that's unbelievable and terrible. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking about this after we watched it. Like, obviously one would have already been like bad and like relatively unbelievable and like especially on that compressed timeline like this happening in a couple days like why do you think they decided to go for two like they were like we're gonna double down on this approach my theory is that they needed they needed it to be like no hurt feelings so that it could stay light so they had to have both of them be with somebody because i don't know how they could have had either one of them dump their partner for that person's sibling and then the other person is just like fucked and sad yeah it's like this is not the sort of behavior that you would do to like a not terribly close friend you would not it would not be acceptable in a social circle to just start hitting on someone's serious girlfriend and try to steal them you certainly wouldn't do it to one of your best friends and you certainly may never, ever, ever do it to your sibling. <laughs> it's true. These, these are like family-destroying decisions that they're making yeah. on the fly. Very obviously. Up, upon first sight. Yeah, yeah. And it makes no sense. And that is no. why the movie is not good. Yes. These were my problems when I saw it the first time. And I was like, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I think I think 
but it's a lot of movies have this problem but i think the problem is that they had an idea they were like oh we're gonna have this like fun family and like i think they had the idea of the bringing home the girlfriend and it going poorly and they executed that did not have a landing like they just had to they had to like come up with something and it has to tie up on the couple of days that they're there and this is what they landed on and it's very dumb so and i and for some reason i think i could have stomached one of them but like everett like chasing after claire danes with the hoodie is i just remember the theater being like ah god damn it yeah he was chasing after her she was gonna take a bus home because it was a bad weekend bad things happened and she was depressed about it and he ran to the bus to get her back and woo her um a note about how this movie came about i did my research as i do for these podcasts not as much as other ones because we're doing a double feature and it's the last one but there was an oral history of this movie on entertainment weekly and they interviewed a lot of like the writer and the stars and blah 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 it was you know fun they all loved making it all the stars were like best experience oh my god oh diane keaton's the best oh this person's a real pro i feel like that comes through like i'm not shocked to hear that they said they said like it was it was just like it looked on the screen it was so fun to work with these people um anyway the guy who wrote it he had an experience in real life where his sister was brought home someone who was dating it sounded maybe like it was a sister dating a woman it wasn't emphasized but i think that's what they're saying anyway and someone just uber hated her immediately and he's like this is a good idea for a movie yep this backs my theory up completely and and not only that but then he so he started writing it just with that kernel and then the movie meet the parents came out and he's like god damn it that's my movie i have to completely rework this and so then it took a couple more years to rework it and come out and then they got all these stars attached and he's like yes thank god so it started with the kernel of I hate her. Literally, like, that's what the first line is. Like, I effing hate her or something like that. Which you can totally, like, that part of it, like, the, I mean, it sounds dumb to say, like, that feels, like, real because, like, I guess I, like, what am I basing that on? But, like, I just, when you're. Because my family hates you. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? This is how you feel at every Polk family dinner. Yes, they're so judgmental. No, Pat's parents are very nice. I do not feel judged. Um, So you feel judged by my sister. (laughs) Pat's parents, like I said, very no. No, I'm kidding. I don't feel judged by anyone in your family. Yeah, no, no one in your family. Um, yeah, no, I just, it just feels like it feels, that part feels authentic. Like, I feel like they have a fully realized family dynamic. The, like, the way they, I, I even like, like, the the level of judgment that Diane Keaton hits and, like, the way that it's, like, semi-reined in but not reined in. Like, the way that she's, like, when her husband's not around being snarkier like it just like i think they the the layers of the family dynamics um i feel like they did a really good job with in a really quite short time and with a lot of cast members yeah there's a lot of characters to try and there is kind of like they do sort of like mention stuff with everett in a way that like there's obviously some back information there that we don't have like there's some resentment between his siblings and him i think we're just supposed to chalk it up to like oldest child achiever but we like barely know what he even does or what meredith does really even though she talks about it for a long time while they're getting pizza yeah she has like how they met there's a long story about how they met and they're obviously like high-end business people and they went to hong kong and they met in hong kong at some like prestigious business thing yeah um so he's an international businessman uh yes 
It's funny to me that the, you're telling me about the history of it. Normally, like when I'm into something, I like I get really into reading about it. But I, I feel like because I've always been like, this is just a fluffy thing. I watch once a year while I'm wrapping presents. I've like I've never read any I've never looked at the IMDb trivia like I haven't looked up anything about this movie if there's a director's commentary I don't even know I haven't watched it oh yeah we have this one on DVD lucky us uh we should is there a director's I don't know I didn't look I would watch the shit out of that all right well let's check it out um yeah so oh I do know one thing I know one factoid are you ready I'm ready ready for my factoid I read I think it was in a piece about Nancy Myers movies and they were, or maybe it was a podcast where they're talking about Nancy Myers movies. And because Diane Keaton's in a lot of those, and Nancy Myers is known for like her kitchens, apparently, which is not a thing I really realized or noticed about those movies. Um, but they talked about Diane Keaton and they contrasted it with her feelings about this set. And apparently she just was like viscerally disgusted. Like she just like hated it. She was like, this house is so cluttered and disgusting. And she agreed that it like, totally made sense for the family and like felt authentic but she just like hated looking at the clutter inside the house and that bummed me out because I without like looking at the set was like oh I always felt like the house seemed kind of cozy coziness apparently I'm a garbage person (laughs) we all knew that coziness common theme here same with the holiday Another common theme, two, two, three themes, three additional. So there's four themes I'm going to talk about here. First, coziness. Apparently people want a Christmas movie to be cozy, especially a Christmas movie that only barely involves Christmas like this and the holiday. Two, sweaters. Another article I read was essential, was also Entertainment Weekly. Those are the, for the main two articles that I read for this. This one was an Entertainment Weekly debates, and there was one person who was pro this movie and one person who was con this movie. And they were making fun of each other for their opinions about this movie, which I can deeply relate to. And um, the, But one thing that they agreed on was that Patrick, the gay husband's sweaters, were off the hook. So I didn't notice that watching the movie. Kind of like I didn't really notice um, that Cameron Diaz had amazing sweaters in the holiday. But for, for those viewers out there, Abby Saul, who care about a good Christmas sweater... Check out Patrick's sweaters. If he you has the good sweaters. Yeah. I can think of one in particular. So maybe I'm, I'm just thinking of that one when they're talking about the menu and it's like a like a camel colored chunky something. There you go. I mean, this movie takes place over the course of like literally two days pretty much. So how many yeah. sweaters could oh, possibly be Well, that's another thing I feel like they did a pretty good job of. Like, I feel like it's like actually what happened. Like the, the like ordering pizza and playing charades while the parents are sleeping and then just kind of like bumming around in loungewear getting coffee like just felt like yeah kids coming home how old do you think rachel mcadam's supposed to be pretty young i think she's yeah. by far the youngest sibling i i feel like she's supposed to be like fresh out of college type like i think mid-20, like I don't 24 know it, i don't know if it's like when i saw the movie or like her because she just kind of has looked always the same age and not terribly young but not definitely not old i think i just like i think for the first whatever 10 times I saw this movie I um I thought she was supposed to be in like her 30s and I didn't make sense to me like the arrested development with her NPR shirt and like her like and then watching this one and they said something and they made it clear that she was the youngest which I guess I should have realized I was all of a sudden like oh shit she's probably supposed to be like 25 like max yeah, yeah. next theme third theme this movie Home Alone which we did not discuss Jingle All the Way Home Alone would have been a good movie to talk about no next year, it. my man. Uh, the Russian theme from the Nutcracker, while chaotic, 
zaniness ensues heavy heavy done here during the finale essentially or the climax anyway um when things are going crazy in the kitchen jingle all the way also used it and of course uh, very famously home alone and i love it. it every time yeah it's just if you're having a christmas comedy family comedy and there's some hijinks you need the russian mm-hmm. dance from nutcracker which actually like that scene is an interesting like it's obviously like a goofy and they're running around and like spilling breakfast all over themselves but like even within that like i feel like some of the interactions were like funny and on point and like felt organic to the characters in a way that i appreciated well they said they had a great time filming it they actually were falling they were actually fighting they had uh, hydraulics on the table that they hid under so that it could be raised and lowered um, for the collapsing and stuff. They were they got physically tired. They're like, we can't do more takes, please. We're like <laughs> fighting too much. I can't keep fighting these two large men. Um, but uh, yeah, they really enjoyed it. I had a blast. That makes me so happy. I don't know where you are in your in your path, so we can do this later if you want. But I have I want to know what your feelings are on Sarah Jessica Parker's acting. Because I have been watching the new Sex in the City, which is maybe a mistake because it's definitely going to be a dumpster fire. But I I haven't watched her in many things, and I watch her in this every year. And when watching her as Carrie again, I'm reminded that I think she's actually not a bad actress. <laughs> like, she's talented. And I just don't know that the, like, uptight, very serious role, like, suits her as well as the, like, kind of bubbly funny witty goofy that she does in other roles and so I I wonder if she was incorrectly cast in this role I think she did a fine job and I don't think she's incorrectly cast I think I've seen first of all I've seen definitely one maybe two complete episodes of Sex and the City and no movies Um, I have no attachment to Sarah Jessica Parker or like strong association with her with that so like my my lens is not so tied to that character, um, but I I think she was extremely believably uptight and annoying, which was one hundred percent what her character was. I, I I think she like I think her character super sucked, but I think she did a good job hmm. with the portrayal, and I don't think she was miscast. I, okay. she, I think it was extremely believable to hate this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I have another important question. Yes. Do men think that women wear high heels? in their homes at all times i mean certainly i've lived with you <laughs> for a long time what are you trying to say i don't think that is reasonable but they were as you pointed out they were an obvious uh shoes on in the house family which is already hard to relate to it's just she like came down to get coffee and she was wearing high heels and i know she's supposed to be uptight but that feels like beyond the pale yeah that's just insane and like is it because this guy was like oh i have this plot point about the broken high heels so we really got a feature of the high heels she loves the high heels I, it didn't make any sense to me like they're in fucking side or is this just like a thing i haven't noticed about movies where they mostly take when mostly like indoor movies like maybe they're always wearing shoes because they want outfits or something and i just have never noticed and i'm only bothered in this movie yeah i don't know i i i think it was it seemed weird, but I don't know if I would have noticed if you didn't point it out while we were watching it. But definitely it was weird. I mean, but also just shoes in general was weird. But yeah, it was. she was far too completely outfitted and uncomfortable the whole time. She was wearing a suit. Like she came to meet his family in a suit. I'm, I was thinking like maybe if they were coming from work, that's okay. I'm getting too in the weeds on this. 
I have a question. Rewatching it and actually like keeping my eyeballs on the screen the whole time just like opened up a lot of questions for me because I haven't done that in many years. Here's my question about her. So right before she's on screen for the first time, Rachel McAdams is talking about how much she hated her the one time she met her and she has this annoying throat clearing thing. And then of course, right away when they meet her, she does the throat clearing thing. Did she do it consistently throughout the movie? Because I did not notice it after that first scene. I think she did it um, once during the story she was telling the like long, I thought that they shot that very well. The Mm -hmm. like long, as somebody who knows, (laughs) as someone who in their life has some people that tell excruciatingly long stories. It's not you, Megan. I promise. I love you. I'm not saying it is you. I'm actually saying it's not you. One time when we were younger, I told my sister that her stories were too long and she's never forgotten it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I have a note that specifically says, believably long, boring Yeah, story. I just thought they shot it really well. I didn't need to say all that other shit about knowing people. <laughs> Can we cut that out? Nope. Fuck. It's in. Um... Yeah, so I, that that is yet another it's way. It's Gary. He's the worst. It was yet it was yet another way it's that I feel Gary. like she was a very she she was a believably hateable, annoying yeah. person. And they and like making her oblivious to it. When my sister and I saw this movie, we were like, "Oh shit, that's our mom!" Like, and obviously not in every way, but like the like talking really loud to a deaf person. Like my mom would totally do that. The like awkward halting dinner backtracking conversation. Halting isn't the right word, but. Yeah, the disaster dinner conversation. She had she had two disastrous interactions. One was at dinner talking about how she would never want to have a gay child. And she was trying to say that it's just harder out there for gay people and that she didn't mean that it was a bad thing, but there were a, a gay married couple at the table and a very loving, warm family, and they hated that. And also charades, the other disastrous mm-hmm. interaction, where she may be pointed at Patrick, who is black, for the word black. She was awkward and really had some troubles. Um, but as a child of an extremely awkward person, I think believably awkward. Also, though, you must factor in the other person that strongly reminded us of your mom was Diane Keaton when she told Sarah Jessica Parker, who she had just met, that this one guy who had been calling for Rachel McAdams was the one who had popped her cherry. Yeah, just in that, like, one specific <laughs> instance. because but she, oversharing. She also managed to, like, overshare and be judgmental and still be, like, lovable. What um, are you trying to say? <laughs> unlike my mom. Ooh, this, you better hope this episode is just deleted immediately. I, my mom is not finding this podcast. I, I know. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, maybe if we want to get real deep with it, maybe I love the family stone because I'm just like, I wish I had a lovable, warm family and I don't, you know, and you, I mean, now you, I do. Cause I made one you view, with my uterus. You view your siblings like they, this sibling relationship. I don't know if I view them like this, but I think it highlights some of the nice things about siblings, which I myself have enjoyed. I, I will say that I think this movie might be more than 30% responsible for me wanting four kids. More than what percent? 30%. I decided it's less than half. Like, it's not like this movie was it. But I think it's, like, a weirdly large. I think it was, like, when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, yeah, like a house full of kids. Like, that would be great. Like, planted the seed. You're crazy. Um, The other theme that is with this movie and the next movie, I really enjoyed extremely small grammatical corrections 
From the dad? The dad. See, this is what I mean. They just have like little, they have little things that they do that make the characters like fleshed out. The dad is supposed to be maybe some kind of professor or something. And um, when Sarah Jessica Parker rejects the uh, proposal that is not actually on the table and she yells that she slept with Luke Wilson. uh, With who? No, you slept with who? And the dad says, with With whom? whom? And that was pretty funny, especially with such a bombshell being dropped that that is the thing that you uh, focus on. So obviously I'm going to appreciate that. Oh, bringing up that scene. I thought about this when we were watching it. I really love, I really, really love that when she like nails the gift and Diane Keaton says like, you did good. And like, they're all like visibly moved. Like I, I feel like that was like, again, an unexpected amount of nuance in this like garbage movie where they're like fucking wife swapping or whatever. So I have a top three and a bottom three for each movie. We're going to finish up. Unless you have a lot more to say. I'm really trying to make it so that we don't have time to talk about Scrooge. We're going to talk about Scrooge. These are all broad ones. I don't have like as much super particular stuff. So uh, I'll just go. Top thing, again, just the cast. Very good job. Diane Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Luke Wilson, Claire Danes, Sarah Jessica Parker, Craig T. Nelson. Bang up. Everybody was good. Way to go. I particularly enjoyed Diane Keaton and Rachel McAdams. Very broad thing, as we already said. The loving family dynamic well handled did a great job and the last one a very small moment also craig d nelson i thought it was very funny so um he craig d nelson goes to find luke wilson knocks on the door goes inside and sarah jessica parker is in there and this very uptight woman who everyone hates because she's so high strung like kind of freaks out but like certainly underreacts to how terrible it would be if your alleged future fiance's dad finds you in bed with the other brother um she's like oh darn oopsie uh but anyway the dad's like uh and he leaves but then the next moment that he sees luke wilson he like grabs him by the neck and like carries him out of the room to talk to him and i thought that was really funny especially because he's like luke wilson was like in his 40, like 40 or something. He's like, he just, his grown son just grabs him by the neck and it's like, we're having a talk. And it was really funny. Uh, the bottoms, again, very broad, but... Uh, the plot. Is that yeah, just, just the two, both halves of the plot. Bottom, he instantly is in love with his soon-to-be fiance sister upon meeting her on the bus stop. Just like, it's just like one of those movie moments where it's just like, he like flutters his eyes and then like zoom in, there's a swell of music as soon as like her, she's revealed from the bus and it was like, unbelievable. Second... Same other half of the same coin. Luke Wilson creepily starts hitting on her immediately and especially over the line when he abducts her to a bar <laughs> and gets her super drunk and is like handsy with her. Uh, and then the last one that we haven't yet discussed is the family hated her. Presumably she was redeemed by two things. One, the Russian dance and the strata being sprayed all over the floor. They they bonded over the fact that there was this kitchen disaster and they were entertained, I guess. And two, she gave a perfect gift of a picture of Diane Keaton, who is dying. And so that's maybe all of the redemption she did. But anyway, she starts in a relationship with Luke because Luke likes her. And they're totally fine with her from that point on. Apparently the next, the the epilogue in the movie is the following Christmas and there's like no tension or awkwardness. And it's unbelievable that like they thought it was, they hated her 
and thought it was disastrous that that um, Everett was planning on marrying her. But if Luke Wilson is going to date her, then nobody has a problem with it. Well, they've already established that they care about Everett more. He's like number one boy. Um, I agree. It's not like perfectly sent. Like it doesn't. It doesn't really totally make sense. But I do think that it's not just the strata and the gift. Like I think. I think they tried to throughout the movie show that like she became more and more human to them. And like there were moments of them expressing regret like oh shoot she had to go to like the the dad cracked first and then it, then they would like she would be do something annoying and that would like bring it up again and then like she wanted to make them breakfast like there was she had moments of like starting she became more like I don't know her her humanity wore them down and obviously then she was a train wreck at the end which is you know and I think that they this is the part that I don't think they did so well, but I think they tried in the movie to make it seem like it was it wasn't just or it wasn't even primarily her. It was and they did this by using the dad explicitly saying this. It was just the match between her and Everett that they didn't like. It was that they didn't they weren't a fit for each other. I mean, obviously like Rachel just hated her. Period. But like Rachel Rachel and the mom are the only two that really said much like Thad Tad yeah he didn't I mean he like maybe looked slightly put upon once or twice and then like during that conversation that wasn't great and then this the other sister like barely existed and Patrick didn't seem to have a problem with her and Patrick was great to her he helped her cook yeah he was very kind Uh, which is again like another little extra detail when they like kind of had him call out Rachel for being mean to her and being like you're mean to everybody roger ebert guess his review of this this has been brought up in the past movies how how many out of four out of four stars three three on the nose yeah he wanted to hate it he apparently i don't know this one classic movie june bug apparently Mm, it's very similar to june bug and so he was now we're gonna have to see that this is like an inferior he's ready to hate it as an inferior uh imitation of june bug but he's like i can't hate on this movie it's pretty fun um, I really, if you can get past the garbage swapping partners plot, like I think everything else is pretty good. And we're and did you have any criticisms that weren't that? I mean, that's the whole story. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hated every aspect of it. I mean, also, I mean, I think that they made Sarah Jessica Parker too hateable. Maybe you know she was like yeah, a little unrealistically. The, um, the Entertainment Weekly uh, debate about this movie, the guy, the con. Family Stone called her the worst character in movie history. Whoa. <laughs> he hated, 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 hated. Um, last question. How many Santa sleds do you call this one? And I, I'm going to hold you to the fire on this because I, I don't think it's fully Christmassy. Oh, interesting. Out of 10 Christmas uh, Santa sleds. I'm still thinking about her hateability. And I'm also thinking about the fact that like another nitpick would be that I don't think her and that and Everett like... It's it's completely unfathomable that he would be planning on proposing based on their interactions. Like, he was, she sucked. He was not helping her at fucking all. Like, he, he didn't help her when she was in the room, but he chastised the family multiple yeah, times. He went after the family, but he, like, he was, like, not consoling to her in any way. She was like, I'm so nervous. And he's like, they're all looking through the window and judging you right now. <laughs> like, 
it, it just was a bad vibe. Well, Luke said he don't even love her. And obviously Luke was right. So then why was he going to propose to her? Because mom had cancer is what they're saying. But that doesn't make mom sense. Mom had cancer and he wanted to just check all the boxes of the life he was supposed to lead. But he would have done that before. I know. See, yeah, some, some of it doesn't hold up under scrutiny. That's what I'm saying. I know. I so how many agree. Santa sleighs out of five? Yeah, ten. 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 Eight. False. Not even true. This is a movie about hating, as you said, the kernel of the movie is the family hating her and then this crazy romance thing. The backdrop is the the reason for the meeting is Christmas and the reason for the family bonding and uh, healing over the coming grief is Christmas. But Christmas was like practically incidental to this movie. I think four. I don't know. Uh, four I'm not, out of ten. Oh, four that's out of ten. garbage. I don't know. I don't, why does it have to? Why does Christmas have to be the plot of the movie for it to be Christmassy? Like every scene was covered in Christmas. It was Christmassy. Families are like. What percentage of your Christmas experience is like talking about the meaning of Christmas or like even thinking about it at all? Like Christmas, to, like I the holidays. Ha- I don't have very Christmassy Christmases. I agree. <laughs> the holidays to most people is, I feel like, exactly what this was. Like seeing your family, certain amounts of awkwardness related to families and people's roles within their families. Like decorating the tree, shown. Christmas dinner, shown. Unwrapping presents, shown. Fucking Christmas cards, I'll give shown. you five. I'll give you five. Eight is an outrage. I just like the, the the core of the movie is the family dynamics and the romantic dynamics, not the Christmas. Why does the core of the movie have to be Christmas for it to That's, be a Christmassy movie? Like when you, if you were giving horror scream ratings on your horror movies, like would they have to have been about horror or just like horrific things are happening in this other plot? Horror screams. I mean, that would be how scary is the movie. Well, and that would not. That doesn't apply. No, I want. I'm looking for more of a vibe check than a than a scariness rating. Yeah. Okay. If it was. Yeah. No. I think that this this analysis applies. So let's say I'm asking like, how many jack o' lanterns is this Halloween movie? Is it very Halloweeny or not? Out of ten. And if it was a uh, scary movie that that was just kind of a normal plot but had some truly terrifying moments, it would get a very low jack-o'-lantern rating. Well, but I wasn't saying that it would, like, jack-o'-lanterns is specific to Halloween, and I would not be saying a Halloween movie. I mean, maybe the analogy isn't perfect, but I'm just saying, like, I don't see, like, is love actually more Christmassy? Yes. Because they talk about Christmas. And they do a lot of Christmassy things. As they do in this movie. Barely. Anyway. It's okay. I would, I'd, be, can... I'd be interested in what other people think. I mean, I could I could go down to seven, but... Okay. Five and seven is a less egregious split than four. Five is rude. Five is generous. Scrooge. I just, it makes me wonder, like, what would a 10 even look like? Like, if this movie, which, like, literally... Jingle is... All the Way is a 10. We talked about it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is that... I... is Could that movie be more Christmassy? Elf is a 10. Or an eight. Eight, eight, eight to 10. Certainly way more... No, How 10. is Elf only an eight? Uh, Elf is a ten. Elf is a ten, and Jingle all the what way. Was a holiday. Nine. The holiday was like a four. The pre- the premise. This is compared to other Christmas movies, or compared to all movies. Other no. How what what is the Christmas spirit in the movie? 
We have you listened to the? You didn't listen. Did you listen to the Abby episode? Because we talked about it. I she agreed that it was so. not very Christmassy. The premise. It this was, was Christmassier than that, though. Much. Okay, they didn't no. even show Christmas in that movie. So it was a five instead of a four. How is it only? Oh, well, okay. <laughs> now you're getting yourself into trouble because how are you going to justify that this is only one notch Christmassier? than the holiday which is like mostly just her on vacation in california whereas this one was like snow and getting gifts from the neighbors at christmas time and like a fucking wonderful life or whatever's on the background that was on wonderful life what was it i don't remember it's an old one yeah it's a judy garland movie the it's saint where she louis, sings have yourself the saint a, louis yeah which uh, is a weird fucking movie yeah anyway meet me in saint louis yeah i forget but they were singing the saint louis song it's okay we can disagree we don't always, I don't have to bludgeon you to be correct. You can just hold on to your eight. Scrooged. I don't want to talk about it. I'm tired. I I was asking everyone why they chose the movie, what it means to them, blah, 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 blah. I didn't cho- choose Scrooged because I love Scrooged and I watch it every year or anything like that. I chose the face that Jen just made as I barely started talking about Scrooged. I think she was... Not joking when she was saying she was hoping to play out the clock here, folks. I just checked the time. It's ten twelve. <laughs> yeah. Um, my bedtime alarm on my watch went off 30 minutes ago. My, my get ready for bed. Uh-huh. I was going to say, this is uh, not an accurate representation of what time she goes. Anyway, so I chose Scrooge because I saw it exactly once in theaters in 1988 when I was five years old with my mother. You... you he told me he was five when he saw it. You saw it in the fucking movie theater? Yeah. When you were five? Yeah. My mom <laughs> took me to this movie, I think because she thought it would be a funny Christmas carol starring Bill Murray, not realizing at all the inappropriate tone of this movie, top to bottom. And so... Is she familiar with the plot of a Christmas carol? Well, yes. And I, I, I'm sure I had seen a version of Christmas carol before then, at least like probably the Mickey Mouse version or something. Um... This, if you're if you're giving me imploring eyes and and problems with because it's too scary, is that your point? Not scary. Like I just like what version of a Christmas Carol is not going to be like inappropriate for kids? Most likely outside of a fucking cartoon. I like, lots of lots of young an '80s comedy starring Bill Bill Murray is not going to be child appropriate. There's no version of a Christmas Carol. So also. A 1988 PG-13. Maybe she's bad with numbers. So, yeah. So I wanted to watch this because this movie was panned. I did not like it when I was a five-year-old. And my mom didn't like it. I I don't think she had a good time watching it. Probably felt bad about her choice. I understand. Why not? And and it was panned. It has like a 38 on Metacritic or something. Oh, what does The Holiday have on Metacritic? Uh, The Holiday or Family Stone? All of them. I want all of them. Jingle all the way, the holiday, family stone. Okay. Die hard. Scrooge has a 38. Slow. And I think deserved. The holiday has a 52. Yeah. Family stone's going to be like 60. Jingle all the way has a 34. Also reasonable. Did that put Scrooge slightly ahead of Jingle all the way? Family Stone has a 56. Oh, okay. You guys chose some winners. Elf. Elf is probably the best movie. 
out of all of them. Has a 64. There you go. Um, so anyway, this movie was panned, didn't do very well in the box office. I had a bad experience watching it <laughs> when I was five. The thought of Lily watching that movie. Exactly. That's what, when I was watching, I was like, I was Lily's age. Lily is almost six. I was precisely Lily's age. I was born in March in 1983. I watched this in the holidays of 1988. I was exactly to the month Lily's age when I watched this in theaters with my mother. And that is unfathomable to me. Um, I feel like she would just like ask to go. <laughs> but this movie has become like a cult classic. Like almost the entire U of I football league loves this movie and watches they it They just year. love Bill Murray. Definitely true. Um, like multiple people in the league talk about watching it all the time. They all the it. time. Charlie watches it every year. I, again, as mentioned in the Family Stone portion of the episode, which we should not have left, I do have a a pretty strong movie watching pattern where the first time I see something, I dislike it more than I will upon rewatching. But like, I suspect more exaggerated than most people. Like, I have a knee jerk, very strong negative reaction to a lot of things, and then upon rewatching them being prepared for the stupid stuff that I now know is there. I appreciate things that are done well, and I have a significantly, um, I don't know, like tempered reaction. So I've only seen Scrooged once. And also probably some of these guys saw it as kids, and so there's like that's carrying them through a little bit, the nostalgia. And again, the blinding male adoration of Bill Murray, who's funny. But not that funny in this. Most of it. So, so I chose this movie because I because I it had kind of gotten a reevaluation in the intervening thirty plus years since it came out, and so I wanted to rewatch it and also reevaluate it. And my main takeaways were it was it was definitely inappropriately dark and grim, scary in parts too. Um. But it was funnier than I remember. Like I think that Bill Murray was genuinely funny in some parts. I like I laughed at multiple lines. You are an excellent movie watching companion because of your laugh. And I actually, while we were watching it, noted how little you laughed, considering it is supposed to be funny. Well, I will say, thank you. First of all, thank you. That's so sweet of you. Uh, second of all, watch Jumanji with this guy. Oh the new my god, one. the the Rock Jumanji part, the first Rock Jumanji. Great movie. I expected to possibly not think it was at all funny I, th- I was expecting to possibly really not like it and i i only sort of not liked it um so yeah i i reevaluate it and it is still too dark and depressing a little bit funnier than i remembered as a child again um wa- wildly inappropriate but overall not great what are your thoughts jen it was way weirder than I expected. Which is true of every movie before 1990 that yes. Jen and I ever watched together. <laughs> yeah, it's always like, this is so much weirder than I thought. Yes. Movies used to be weirder. Everything oh, I, is... I don't I don't even know if that's true. I just think that when, when, you, when you've heard of a movie a lot of times, I think you're unprepared for the quirks of it. Like when you know it's canon or whatever, it's just like strange. Not that this is, but like I definitely, yeah, I don't know. Whatever you're expecting, I feel like it's not some of the odd stuff that happens in these movies. Um, so it's weirder related. I thought it like 
considering it's following the plot of a pretty well-known story, I thought it like barely made any fucking sense. In what way did it not make sense? Like him as a person, his relationship with that girl, his decisions regarding airing the show, airing that commercial, his decisions regarding jumping on the show at the end. Like his like last minute change of heart was like, you know, he's supposed to get up there and give it, but he just like rambled incoherently. Like, like, I feel like at every turn I was like, what is this scene even doing for us in the context? I mean, like there was some that were a little clearer than others, but it just like, yeah, I just felt like I don't, man, I also admittedly wasn't always paying the best attention. I was wrapping presents and I kind of hated this movie. So there were some times when I checked out for a minute. So maybe it didn't make sense to me because I wasn't paying optimal attention, but Yeah. It was just really, really, really rough. His relationship with his brother made no sense. None of it made any sense. None of it. So, it, like, the only parts of it made sense were the parts that were just, like, completely, where, like, the actual plot of A Christmas Carol, the story, were just bearing the entire weight. Like, you, it only made sense because you know who he's supposed to be and who these other people are supposed to be to him. Otherwise, like, nothing makes sense. So to me, I think... I think the context helps for, like, his character making some sense. Like, I think it being a 1988 movie, um, it was, like, so 80s greed and 80s, like, media consumption backlash. So he's, like, he's like a yuppie, power-hungry, rich guy. People, like, parents were afraid of children watching too much TV, of, like, violence on TV, MTV, so it was like a backlash to like boob tube culture. And so he was supposed to be epitomize all of that. Oh no, the concept makes sense. The execution did not happen. I think he made an made sense to me as a caricature of the power hungry TV exec. Like he like the commercial you were saying like didn't make sense. Like so there was a commercial uh that was like happy about how you you know, please watch, you know, Scrooge all the way. Big question I have. Did not see it in the two quick articles I read. Why did they keep referring to the source material as Charles Dickens' Scrooge instead of A Christmas Story? They just like wanted Carol. the title of their movie to make more sense or something. It, it was so weird to me. Because maybe because he's never called Scrooge in the movie. Like maybe they just like wanted to make it like clear. Like, no, he's Scrooge from he said the bah, Scrooge humbug. movie. I, I don't know what to tell you. The movie's not good. 80s, yeah. 80s grade. The, yeah, I just, I, I think, I, yeah, I just think he made he made sense as a character of that like yuppie media backlash guy. Okay, so really, honestly, here's what I think the problem is in terms of why I say it doesn't make sense is I feel like it could not decide whether it wanted to be a silly comedy or like a serious modern retelling, dark retelling, and in trying to do both of those things, it just like didn't work because like the assistant guy that's supposed to be Bob Cratchit. He was, like, v- bizarre. Bobcat like, Goldthwait. Yeah, he was, like, how would that person ever be an executive? He, like, couldn't speak in a way that made sense. He was just, like, he had, like, ticks. He was so weird. And then Bill Murray's character was, like, kind of classic Bill Murray, like, dryly weird. But then we're also supposed to be, like, oh, oh, this is a serious change of heart. And then we're supposed to, like, care about this relationship with him and this girl that is, like, doesn't make any sense. Like, she's not a human at all. It's but like but we spend so much time, so like they, they dedicate all this time to the serious content, and that's not working. And then there's little moments of comedy, 
that sometimes worked, but like didn't make sense with the very dark, serious nature. I don't know. It was I. It was a mess. Well, the people who made the movie agree with you. Um, so the director, famous director, he directed Superman one and two, The Goonies, um, the Lethal Weapon movies. Very successful director. Um, Bill Murray, hard to remember, especially if you were not alive or two years old at the time this movie came out, was not a bankable movie star at this time. He had been in Ghostbusters, but he had never, he had only carried the lead role in a single movie before this. And he had gone on hiatus for like four years before this movie came out. And, And this was like his first big return to being a movie star. And then he became huge after that. And like, you know, like all, all of the, the big nineties Bill Murray comedies and stuff. But, um, so the director said like it, he, he thought it was very tricky to toe the line between the, the, the moral of the story and the comedy. And it was like, it was the, the, it was enticing. This project was enticing because no one had done it before to make it a comedy, but it was like an impossible needle to thread. And Bill Murray said that he, you know, he thought it was a good idea, but he, he hated the original script and he tore it up and like rewrote a ton of it and he improved a lot of it. And, um, much like Sinbad in Jingle All the Way, sometimes improv <laughs> doesn't have the best results, but, uh, they had huge fights. Um, he said that he could not get along with the director. So there, there's a ringer article about how great Scrooge is. Um, there are a ton of articles about this movie from 2018 because that was the 30, 30th anniversary. So a lot of people wrote like 30th anniversary retrospectives. This podcast would have been a lot better if I had done any reading on either of these two movies before we talked about them. That's on you. Uh, so the Ringer article, here's a quote from Bill Murray from an old interview, but it was in that article. Every So did you, uh, Robert, Roger Ebert asked him if he had any disagreements with the director. Every single minute of the day, that could have been a really, really great movie. The script was so good. There's maybe one take in the Final Cut movie that is mine. We made it so fast. It was like doing a movie live. He kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. <laughs> I noted one of my first notes is Bill Murray is yelling a lot in this movie, like inappropriately. Like his character, I think his character as an ethos makes sense, but it never makes sense that he's constantly yelling and screaming in normal conversation. <laughs> And Bill Murray's like, the director just kept telling me to yell more and more, louder, louder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The people that's, who, that's like watching the movie. It just felt like a mess. It felt like a mess. It was disjointed. There were tons of scenes. Like, the the uncut version was, like, insanely long. They cut it down a ton. And challenge to your man bros, what about this movie is good other than Bill Murray? And if Bill Murray is the only thing in this movie that's good, what percentage of this movie is Bill Murray actually enjoyable to watch? Like, funny or accomplishing anything? And what percentage of it is then, like, weird filler that's to no end? I had a moment at the very end when he was walking on set and it was, like, the very Dickens vibe because of the movie or the live TV show they were shooting when I was, like, oh, this could have been a really cool movie. Like, but up until that, I was like, this is torture. Why is this happening? I'm mad at Pat. I like Bill Murray fine, but this is not working. Um, but that was the moment where I was like, oh, this could have been something cool because because exactly what you said, the like the 80s TV executive at all, like kind of works perfectly. 
and just they didn't and 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 i even thought while that was happening i was like oh this is their moment to like this part will be good at least when he like jumps onto the set and even that was just like rambling incoherent garbage yeah i liked the fairy witch she was good she um i liked her a lot she was funny she beat him up a lot she talked funny she has a funny voice it was exactly the same voice and character Princess as Bride. the wife from yeah. Princess Bride. I like that. Um, I'll put her as a top. Yes. She uh, was for sure the highlight of the movie for me. Bobcat Goldthwait, I like as a, as a performer, and so it was good to see him in something. He has a really weird voice, too. The, Two uh, people with r- real weird voices. Office shooting aged pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, he, he, similar to uh, in Jingle All the Way, like... A lot of like going postal jokes and jingle all the way. Brutal. Doesn't age so well. Um, and another thing that people, so I will say probably a thing that, so the people of the league who would defend this movie, obviously Bill Murray just categorically, it's always oh, great, funny, haha. And maybe they'll like the fairy. Uh, maybe they'll like Bobcat Goldthwait. And also, there are some pretty funny lines with the president well the ceo of the network mm. uh him talking about well, the mouse thing was funny the mouse thing and the like yeah like cats and dogs are starting to watch uh television yeah. and so in yeah, 20 years that's what i meant yeah, the, mouse the thing. whole thing and then when bill murray whatever he like whispers to his secretary Call that the police that was genuinely <laughs> funny but also like kind of didn't make sense in the context of the character they'd established like because they just made him seem like off the rails not like making funny jokes to the secretary yeah um, so my other top will just be some of the funny lines in the movie. So that call the police was the first one. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Um, I feel like they could have made this dark, funny, like, like, a American psycho. Yeah. If I, they had gone with that direction. Fully dark. Fully dark, but like slightly ridiculous so that it it is funny. It would, it would be tough. I just don't see how you can go for like, I feel like it was trying to be. American Psycho and at moments like not not Elf but like I feel like it was just trying to be like overtly slapstick funny and then like dark serious funny and it also wasn't good other lines that were good I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives thought that was funny that was funny I the, man their relationship was so grating to me I it really really bugged me that they like established him as like the worst human that's ever lived and then just like hand waved that he and this like sweet person were in love and she was fine with it i don't know it was the worst uh right before they actually filmed it and he had already had these uh scary run-ins with the ghost of christmas past and the ghost of christmas present he said break a leg everybody i feel real weird about tonight that was very funny the way he delivered it not the way yeah there was there was a couple of moments where his like I mean, Bill Murray is amazing. His delivery is fantastic. And there was a couple times when that happened, but I feel like you you probably could rewatch that movie and make a list and it would probably be like 10 or under, which is crazy considering he's the only good thing about this fucking movie and the fairy. Bottom stuff. I'm going to say just not necessarily for me as an adult viewer, but uh, all of the things that made me deeply uncomfortable knowing that I watched it when I was five years old, both with sex and violence and scariness, which includes... Karma Which includes... At the very beginning, before the movie even really starts, a uh, father loves beaver joke. That's right. Right right off the top of the bat. Um, The first ghost was very scary and his body was falling apart. And then he ripped his arm off and fell out of a skyscraper. Um, The woman's nipples being exposed and that being a problem with the television sensor. 
that conjured up a memory. Like, oh, yeah, I remember as a five-year-old them talking about that woman's nipples. That was weird. Uh, the scene with the office party and there's a lady Xeroxing her underwear and handing them out to everyone at the party and everyone's getting drunk and handsy. Uh, the, the gift of the Kama Sutra. Um, he called um, an actress and the ghost of Christmas present a bitch to their face. Um, the homeless guy freezing to death graphically. Uh, the ghost oh of my god that extended fucking scene where he's in the fucking cellar with the homeless man god it was this movie was torture the ghost of christmas future having a creepy television face having a che- uh, his chest full of heads uh, and bill murray kissing the lady under the mistletoe real grossly i thought of another thing i liked i thought those dancers were funny i thought that that they had like a serious like dickens classic live tv telling and then they had the like fucking rockets or whatever those were the ladies. solid gold dancers the solid gold dancers. that was funny from, from a television show and this was the last time that they were in a movie because the show was canceled before this movie came out the solid gold dancers. i thought the thing. solid gold dancers were funny another thing i i didn't i i the final bottom is really both the the i did not think the monologue worked at the very end of the movie and it was and it was mentioned in um the one star review by roger ebert it worked it was it was so far. It was like, I, I don't understand how anyone shot it and was like, we got it. Like, what? Uh, the director saved that f- to film last. You know, oftentimes they don't film movies in film order um, and sometimes even reverse order. He deliberately saved this for last because he knew that the movie hinged on it. It was like the emotional climax and point, And uh, it was bad. It was, Roger Ebert said it was fully 10 minutes long. <laughs> Like the, the whole speech scene. I think me and Roger Ebert would get along great. I've now learned in today's podcast. He gave Jingle All the Way two and a half stars. Yeah, Jingle All the Way is better than this movie. Whoo! Well, okay. Take. Jingle All the Way was a more enjoyable experience than this movie. Still a hot take. I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm rewatching when Pat was doing it. I watched the beginning, which is what I remember to be the better part of the movie, and then I left. And then the very end of the song, at the very end of the movie, they're singing a Christmas song directly to the movie audience. And like Bill Murray is like giving direction to people in the movie theater saying like, okay, all the people on the left side, all the people on the right side, all the ladies. That was excruciating. So weird and so long. The whole end of the movie was pretty rough. And like Charlie already said, like, he loves this movie. He he does not like, he does not like the end of the movie. Like a a fan, a, a staunch supporter of the movie. Does not like the ending. Man, doesn't work, I think. I No judgment on people who watch this movie. Like, I feel like it is very Christmassy. How many Santa you, sleighs is it? If you like Bill Murray. I also think this is a thing that happens all the time. Like, if you really like an actor or actress, like, it's fun to watch stuff they're in, even if it doesn't, like, totally work. If they, Especially if they're good in it, which he is in moments. So, like, I totally get how people, this would be a movie that they watch. I don't think you have to def- I don't I, why people can't separate I mean I'm, this is not fair for me to say I don't know what your friends think I just you can like Bill Murray and enjoy this movie and still admit it's bad because it is and that's fine yes you can enjoy watching it you can be like I love that stupid fairy bitch or whatever he called her I don't know that bitch hit me with a toaster yeah the bitch playing for laughs felt very 80s to me Two, twice yeah man brutal um how many Santa sleighs is Scrooged Jen 
See, I think maybe my Santa sleighs and your Santa sleighs are different because obviously I'm looking for like fun festive. I recognize this is like fully fucking about Christmas. It's got to be 10, right? Like nine because there's a lot of like office scenes. I don't know. Eight, nine. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. I'll give it nine. The final theme that I mentioned was grammatical corrections and uh, just another real subtle one that really goes by fast. When he is with the ghost of Christmas present and he is spying on his brother and his brother's Christmas party and they and the, his wife was giving him a hard time because his brother never showed up, the brother said, I wish he was here. And Bill Murray says, were goofy. Because grammatically correct to say, I wish he were here. That's yeah, funny. that's true. That happened. Why is the brother so bad and like hollow? Why is everybody in this movie so bad? Bobcat Goldthwait was fully fleshed out as no he wasn't yeah just completely crazy like he lost his job so his wife left and took the baby what is going on he's selling his blood for twenty dollars a pint the secretary i guess felt like an actual character Mm -hmm. i and and a lot of her scenes were good i thought it was very funny when the siblings were lighting the youngest child as a christmas tree in their yeah that was true that was good but like the part where he's like screaming at her like if i work late you work late but like he was like kind of like joking about like it was and it was funny in a bill in a very classic bill murray way but like it doesn't is he a monster or is he sort of kidding around with his secretary and they have an okay relationship like what's happening i think he's a monster he gave her a dish towel she broke her back for him figuratively and uh she wanted the reason she had to leave was for a doctor's appointment for her son so he's obviously a monster i don't think it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek but to your point that exchange specifically went on for like twice as long as it should have dollars to donuts that was improv by bill murray go lengthening that out saying like if i'm here you're here if you're here i'm here if i'm working you're working and he's like if you don't work i can't work if i can't work i can't work and he just kept rephrasing it over yeah. and over again it's like that had to have been improv yes in improv in a way that does not work with the character at yeah. all because that type of bill murray funny stuff is like kind of like the basis of it is this like sort of friendly ribbing kind of vibe or something i'm not describing it right i don't watch comedies i don't like comedies i don't know anything about comedy i'm not the right person to talk to about this but i just like it felt friendly there and there were a number of scenes between him and his secretary where they like had chummy vibes but like he's supposed to be a monster and so nothing is making sense bill murray is too like he he couldn't carry off i think feeling like i i think his his way of being funny and his way of delivering lines, like he he never seemed like enough of a, he doesn't seem like enough of a bad guy to carry the darkness that they were going for. Just one of the many problems that this movie had. And so then the whole thing doesn't feel like it's serious. It feels like it's supposed to be kind of like funny and not serious, but then it's like, it gets weirdly, bizarrely dark and you're like, what's happening? Yeah, tough, tough, too dark. And cynical. Slightly funnier than I thought. Some funnier lines. Wildly inappropriate for children. Last comment of weird thing I know. The dark cynicism wasn't even like deep enough. I don't even. Yeah. Yeah. It was neither. And at the end of the movie, when he is singing to the audience, right before he starts singing, essentially, like one of the last lines of the movie is he yells, feed me Seymour. Uh, I guess kind of just to say like, um, like just to say like, please encourage my, you know, performance sort of thing. And then we'll start singing. But it's, it is a line straight out of little shop of horrors. And I was like, I wrote that down as how weird and out of place it was. And then 
when I was reading like background tidbits is because the last movie he was in before this was in a bit part in Little Shop of Horrors. He was one of the um, patients of the Steve Martin insane dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. And so it was just like essentially just referencing the last movie he was in for no reason. And that, yeah. was, that was an improv line. I think the podcast you need to do is like, how were they making movies in the fucking 80s? They were just doing whatever. Nobody cared. They were just like, we're just putting this out. Yeah. I feel like it was like, this is like uncom- unfinished homework or something. Like they just like it didn't work, but they had to turn it in. Whatever. You know how the Frozen movie apparently was like marred by complications, mm-hmm. and it like mm-hmm. they rewrote make, it entirely. Yeah, and it like didn't make any sense. They like, didn't want Elsa to. They, Elsa was supposed to be a bad, the bad guy, and they're like, no, we need to make this a, make her redeemed and a good loving sister. So they rewrote the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's that. I mean, I'm I'm like. Probably making a coherent movie is like insanely difficult. Like I can't even imagine how many. Yeah, like one person writes a script. A different. You have to get. I'm sure it's all insane that movies ever come together at all, and it's just like a testament to like how many people are doing this all the time and how much money there is to be made. But they should have left. They should have left this one on the shelf. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thus ends our discussion of holiday movies. I feel vaguely angry for being tricked into doing this again. Tricked? Tricked? No, I wasn't. I totally volunteered to do it. Against against my better judgment. This was your idea. The whole thing. For you to do it with other people. Where's Nicholas? Where's Casey? People, I think. Where's Meg? Elf. Both Megs. Elf is Meg's movie. Uh, Elf was Alex Um's movie, and we we had a conversation. Well, you didn't have you didn't <laughs> keep the podcast, Pat. Um, we'll just do it next year, is all. Well, people yeah. think about movies you want to talk about, and uh, we'll keep going. I hope everyone has a happy holiday and has enjoyed this mini series of podcasts. Bye, everybody. Jen does not say goodbye. I will. Bye, everybody. I love you all.